Hi, my name is DJ Trischler, and this is Process Out Loud, the podcast. It's a space where I reflect on everything that I've learned from teaching and studying during the previous week. Most of the content will refer to my experiences in the Masters of Design program, the MDES, through the School of Design at the University of Cincinnati's College of Design, Architecture, Art, and Planning, otherwise known as DAP. While there's a lot to cover in one week, I try to keep the episodes brief at about 10 minutes each. I hope you enjoy. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Process Out Loud. Again, this is a chance for me to think out loud, process out loud, um, some of the ideas that are coming across my um, my desk, my computer, my iPad, whatever it is I'm reading, um, coming across me that are new and um, complex. And um, I realized this morning that I think what I've been doing in my uh, master's process is really just a, a process of dismantling my um, paradigms of design and um, maybe rebuilding them. I think definitely moving towards a rebuilding process, but still very much in a dismantling process. Um, I A little background, I went to, to school in Pittsburgh, a little Catholic school, La Roche College, um, it's now La Roche University, and and I had a really great experience there, um, not just in the classroom, but outside the classroom, where I was surrounded by, um, it was a Catholic school, so surrounded by some nuns who were pretty liberal and um, very much social justice oriented. They were always protesting the war. I think it was every Friday they went out and protested the war. It was the first time that I heard like somebody say they were praying the headlines, meaning these nuns um, read the news to know what to pray for. And um, I also had professors who were um, definitely, yeah, I, I, I guess you could call them socialist, um, definitely following Marxist principles. And um, and I've gone to conferences that I didn't even know were probably socialist or Marxist and um, got to hear things and be in, in, in places where we were talking about labor and rights of laborers and um, it was all just very much like turning on a television and and seeing the fuzz like seeing glimpses of things but just really seeing the fuzz and the more I I guess learn and I'm growing in this master's degree program some of the things that were fuzzy then are less fuzzy now and I'm starting to see things clearer Um, maybe an example of this is I, I watched Motorcycle Diaries this past weekend which is the story of Che Guevara um traveling from Buenos Aires um, through Latin America all the way up to Venezuela and seeing the inequalities across the Americas, uh, South America, um, seeing the differences between the ways in which indigenous people were treated versus um, those with European descent or those who were whiter. um, And I remember watching that movie and feeling compelled uh, in college towards social justice issues um, and being compelled towards adventure and helping others. But I think watching it again 15 years later, I'm seeing, oh, okay, there's, um, you know, like a neoliberal idea or there's capitalism or there's um, colonization. And I didn't have the vocabulary, I guess, back then um, to understand these things, though I was exposed to them. Um, And I'm thankful as a designer I was exposed to them. But I think 
that often left me just feeling feelings um, of uncomfort and not knowing what they were. So graduating college and feeling like um, I don't want to be a designer because I don't think designers can do um, good things um, or they're doing more harm than good. I don't want to work for a big agency or corporation. In fact, I wanted to like run for office or uh, be a part of a nonprofit. Um, although now I'm learning even nonprofits aren't, aren't innocent, you know, and that they're um, basically actors of the state as the state kind of financializes and marketizes um, its services through nonprofit sector. Um, and so anyways, tangent again, hashtag learning. Um, but I had feelings like I can't do design. I can't do it. And even, even as a um, professional after I, again, like I traveled to parts of the Middle East um, and I was asked to do design work there um, for the Palestinian News Network, um, which at the time I probably didn't realize how um, that was probably tied to activism. Um, and then I, I went to New York City and I was asked to do some design work for a church, which they were trying to kind of um, bring to light what Advent actually was, which was God entering enemy territory, Roman occupation. Um, and I was asked to do design work to communicate these big ideas or sense making um, of things that are complex. And then I, I went to Chattanooga and I saw that um, there was a studio, Widgets in Stone, under the direction of Paul Rustan, who was using graphic design to make the community um, more visible and branding good things. Um, and I, and I thought that I could do that. And I did that. I did do that. And I still do that, I think, um, using branding as a tool to shine a light on things that um, need light to be shined on them. And at the same time, still feeling this, like, how do we do design well? Like, I just don't understand. Um, design itself, I feel like, is um, it has the tools to make things packageable and consumable and I think it's even done it to itself to some extent through things like design thinking or whatever buzzword comes up next. Um, we've commodified design and as designers, we're able to perpetuate it because we have the tools and skills to combine words and signs and colors and type and um, make things attractive and continually find new ways of making things attractive so people continue to consume them. Um, and so... There's a lot, a lot there uh, as I dismantle this, this field that I've chosen. Um, it's in my, my lineage too. My grandfather was a graphic designer um, and still does practice in some ways um, as an almost 90-year-old. Um, so dismantling this, I have feelings. Like, I don't know how to do this right. I'm just going to keep doing it or I'm going to try to do it and find feelings, feel good about doing what I'm doing. And then as I dismantle it, I realize that even like that can be harmful. Like I'm just trying to fulfill my feelings through the performance of, say, design for social good. Yet it's still in a system of um, competitive capitalism or uh, a system of inequalities, a system of white hegemony and um yeah i'm conflicted 
And so I guess this is why it's processed out loud. I don't have the answers, but I, I'm, I'm interested in, yeah, dismantling this. And so some of the questions I'm asking this week to get, to get closer to reality, um, is in this idea of, you know, I talked about design activism last year, is beauty compatible with design activism? Um, a lot of design like is packaging things to make them desirable, um, more desirable than, than maybe they actually are or more valuable than they actually are. This is a term I think it would be called ethical surplus where something is valuable maybe in and of itself, like its utility, but then you add a brand to it and then it has this invisible value that um, that requires labor of branding and, and, and um and mediation, I guess. Um, but where am I going with this all? Um, but beauty, it, it, it's, a, it's a standard, and who's it set by? And when we talk about design activism, that's pushing against status quo. Maybe design activism is pushing against the capitalistic, neoliberal, hegemony or white hegemony in the field of design and the fields that it serves. Um, and so the standard of beauty in those fields, what is it? What is, what are we And my professor, um, Stephanie, uh, she's been um, pushing me towards this idea of socialization. How are we socializing designers? And what are we socializing as beauty? And what are we socializing as good design? And I, I know others have done this work, like Aggie Toppins has recently done some research on taste and like what is considered good taste and design and how do we teach that and how do we teach difference in design? And so design activism, I've read some articles too about like how um, if we really want to do design activism, it has to be unsettling. It has to be, be, be um, disturbing or ugly and um how does that fit within the system that we have as designers to make things desirable when maybe what we need to make is something that stops people in their tracks, stops people from consuming, stops people from um, droning along. And if we make something beautiful and desirable, does that actually stop them in their tracks? If it's design wise, like a beautiful packaging, like, yeah, maybe it stops you, but then you go and buy that ice cream or go and um, I don't know, tweet that tweet or whatever. Um, so where do I want to go with that? Um, yeah, is design activism compatible with our standards of beauty and design? And what are our standards of beauty and design? Um, what is design activism actually? And how do we do design activism in a system such as ours that is capitalistic, neoliberalistic, um, dominantly and I don't know, I, I guess some things I'm reading, uh, uh, and Ezio Manzini talks about um, social innovation, which is a form, I think, of design activism, and he talks about creating uh, pockets. And so how do we create these new pockets of, of beauty, um, new pockets of design that act as artifacts, act as totems, or act as um, discursive moments that change our 
imagination of what things could be. Um, that's something a, a friend was talking about last night in regards to some stuff at our church. Like, how do we change people's imagination? And how do we create new conversations, new narratives? Because this idea of socialization is that things start with language and materialize from there. It's not, not vice versa. And so I guess what I'm really curious about is maybe not designing things, dismantling the design process and creating new conversations that create new, new materializations that are um, more just and less um, cruel and violent and um, less consumer driven and um, I'm curious how to teach that. I'm curious how to um, talk about that and bring that into a world of design that is so infatuated with itself. Um, we want people, like we want to be at the table. We want to sell design, sell design, sell design is valuable, is value extracting. But maybe as designers, what we need to realize is that's not always good. And um, Maybe we need to dismantle ourselves, dismantle the process. I keep using this word dismantle because in um, Jenny O'Dell's book, um, How to Do Nothing, she talks about manifest dismantling. So like dismantling dams um, that don't need to be there anymore. Um, and you think of a dam as like this thing that stands up. It's powerful. It blocks water from flowing freely. And I think you could probably say that there are metaphorical dams in design that um, whether they're gatekeepers or ideologies that that stop people from designing freely and hold back a flow um, and it, in the name of power you know literally electric power uh, hydroelectric power but at, at what cost um, what's flooded out what's prevented from being seen and heard and understood um, when everything has to be filtered through such a small little hole in the dam. Um, how do we dismantle that in design? And I think of words like decolonization, um, but because that word's so complex and has ramifications within um, indigenous life um, and design was a tool of colonization, design is the dam. Um, I think it's more about dismantling design um, and reconstructing design together with others. And this gets to like Artero Escobar's work of um, design for the Pluriverse. Um, I read I, a guy from Australia talking about differential design where we have a right to difference in design. Um, and that's beautiful. Like you have a right to difference. Um, your difference belongs. And this idea that we're all equal, I, I go back to like sapiens and the idea that we're not actually equal. Like there's people that are taller, there's people that are shorter, there's people that are black, there's people who are white and equal in the sense like biologically, like we're different and we have a right to our difference and our cultures are different and we have a right to difference in our cultures. And I think design and, and colonization is kind of like vanillifying things that like make everything the same like make everything equal but what if that's just not the way we're we're built we're built for difference and to be different and to hold difference and hold design spaces where difference can be held um difference of index indexes of beauty measurements of beauty um so 
that all all that to say, <laughs> I don't know where we go with that, but um, I don't I don't think that design activism is compatible with our current um, measurements of beauty and our current measurement tools. Um, I think we have to change the tools, and I think that we have to do a lot of critical self thinking and dismantling, um, and maybe not designing anything at all. Um, and I think that. Uh, gosh, yeah, I, I'll just, yeah, lot, lots to process. And um, I think that my thesis will go the route of not designing something, but writing something or, or making something that, that makes people think and makes people, not just academics, um, but also practitioners rethink and um, become more curious about the ways in which their field does work and how power operates in those fields. Um, and I'm really interested in my local community versus the global community. Um, I care about the global community for sure, but I want to do something locally. Um, I've been talking to a potential thesis advisor about some sort of workshop that brings the ideas of design activism into my community. Um, maybe not brings them into my community, but it uh, like sees what happened when we use those in my community um, or even the concepts of like, design after capitalism, what, what if we practice those in a neighborhood, practice those um, in an in a institution of, of learning, like, like you see, um, again, it's like changing the socialization, changing, changing the hegemony slowly, um, slowly, slowly, slowly. We didn't get here overnight. Capitalism didn't become this powerful fast. Um, it became powerful quick, but it, it didn't, it took like hundreds of years it's not like this just started in the 60s and 70s but it started a long time ago and if monarchies can change if um, mercantilism can change if all the different isms we've gone through have changed then maybe this ism can change too and and it's just a it's time having a long view and doing things now activism now for 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 yeah i think i i read that the concept of time for like indigenous folks is that like seven generations is now um, like that's not a long time from now it's actually now and so making decisions now that impact seven generations from now and dismantling our processes for others for generations to come so rambling 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 hopefully this will all parse out into a thesis and um, hopefully i can figure out how to bring some of this stuff even to like my teachings of typography too um, all right. I hope you have a good day. And if you have anything you want to chat about regarding things I've said, please do reach out. Um, thank you.